Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we ask you for your grace and uh, guidance as we uh, present the mission in Tanzania and um, share the good work that you are doing there. Pray for all of the souls in our care and for all of our friends, families, and benefactors, especially those who need our prayers in a special way. Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace the Lord is with thee. thee. Blessed, blessed art thou amongst, amongst women, women, and blessed, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Blessed and honored today to have a special guest on the show. It's Sister Protectrice. Protectrice? I can't say it well. De la foi? That's pretty good. Pretty good, pretty good. Nancy, say it right away. Protectrice de la foi. Aha. And so our co-host today is Miss Nancy Tab Markintel. Thank you for coming on the show. Sure, of course. I'm very proud of her because she's my niece. That's right. <laughs> and uh, so, so again, uh, Sister, tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Sister Marie Protectrice de la Foi Markintel, and I was born and raised in Jennings, Louisiana. And in 2012, I entered a missionary order called the Servants of the Lord and the Virgin of Matara, founded in 1988 in Argentina and now in about 40 countries around the world. So we have priests and sisters who work together as a religious family. And after I finished formation in 2016, I was sent to our mission in Tanzania, and I have been there ever since. Okay, where'd you go to high school? Notre Dame. Ah, Pio, we got a Pio (laughs) in the booth. All right, and how do you get from, from Notre Dame to Tanzania? How does that happen? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, when I graduated from Notre Dame, I went to LSU to major Go in accounting. Tigers. Yeah, um, because I didn't know what to do, and my dad's an accountant, so I figured I love my dad, so maybe I'll just do what he does. Mm-hmm. So um, I went and studied that, and I finished. As I was finishing um, my senior year in college, I had done a couple of internships and was realizing that this is not what <laughs> I want to do. Um, I just didn't feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so I called my dad six months before graduation and said, Hey, Dad. Hi. <laughs> um, I don't think this is what I want to do with my life. And he's like, Well, dear, can you at least study for the CPA exam since you've come this far? Wow. He knew I would graduate. But mm-hmm. then he said, I know that you don't know what you want to do yet, and I know you want to serve the Lord and all this kind of stuff, because I didn't know my vocation yet, but I knew that I wanted to do something with the church. That's what I was telling him in the conversation. I think I just want to work for the church. And he said, okay, that's fine, but maybe one day you're going to need to have money also, because working for the church is not going to pay you. So um, please take the CPA exam. So long story short, I um, stayed in Baton Rouge for two more years and worked part-time and studied for the CPA exam and passed the CPA exam. Wow. Um, first yeah, time. The first time. First time. Um, Nancy, keep, keep it straight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then after that, in the course of that, um, coming to a more and more serious prayer life as well, 
Uh, so I worked at Christ the King at the Catholic Center mm, on LSU's campus. That was my next question. Mm-hmm. So that was my job for a year. And then after that, um, was offered a job at Dumox Ministries in New Orleans, youth ministry. And so um, I moved to New Orleans. And as part of that job, it's required to go to daily mass every day and mm-hmm. um, Eucharistic Holy Hour every day. Explain to them what the Dumox ministry Yeah, I want does. that job. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it's a youth ministry, and even you could call it a family ministry also, heavily based on John Paul II's teaching of theology of the body. So we do retreats for youth and also for families or seminars, or especially there's a retreat called Echo, which is a week-long theology of the body camp for teens and young adults. Yeah, so I was very lucky to blessed to get that job not lucky and in the two months that i started working there and began the rhythm of daily mass every single day and eucharistic holy hour every day without a doubt and not surprisingly i was shown my vocation by the lord so in a series of fortunate events i also met father bryce sibley and he became my spiritual director and really it only took one time to lay everything out on the table and understand what my vocation was going to be. And that was in October of 2011. 11. Okay. And mm-hmm. how old are you now? So now I'm 35. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So Father Josh and that crew at, at Christ the King, like, um, do you know, you know, Father Josh? I do know or? Father Josh. He um, was in seminary at that time. Okay. We had Father Paul Gross with us at okay. uh, Christ the King, Father Tun Vu. Um, and Father Andrew Merrick. Yeah, what a guy. Yeah, so they were oh, all man. instrumental in I my... I bet, man. Just, you were as were my friends. <laughs> very well farmed, huh, yeah. Nancy? Uh, so I know you're so proud of her. and get, You've had a front row seat of all this. Give me your take. Well, her dad, her dad was... The other two kids split. They went east and west, and I think her dad was hoping to come so he could... Her to come so he could start retiring... And when he found out that she had this strong vocation from the Lord, he said, I guess I can't argue with God. No, you can't. No, no. And she was absolutely um, ethereally uh, happy. And the way that she expressed herself when she talked about serving the Lord was so positive and so fulfilled sounding and uh, all in the family knew that that's where she was supposed to be. That's amazing. What, that's so beautiful. What what a testimony. So my mind is thinking, I know you must have thought of this. So how would you compare your spiritual life with accounting? I want you to, like, I'm thinking to myself, like, the assets or the good deeds we do, like, and mm-hmm. then the liabilities or the sin. You know, you ever thought about any of that being a CPA? It's definitely an ev- a divine economy. There's yeah. definitely divine economy. <laughs> uh, but luckily, the... The biggest shareholder in all this is God, and so He's perfect, and that helps things out. I love it. Yeah. So yeah. I had a lot of discernment with dating different people throughout the years and everything, and and the person who taught me the most was um, there's a guy I'm sure you know him. His name is Father Michael Richard, mm-hmm. and he and I were dating in college, and he was the first one who realized that there's something much greater than our little plans. So um, he taught me that lesson. Unbelievable. Yeah. So now, <clears throat> sister is working in Tanzania, and I think you've been five years or something like that? Six and a half. Six, six years, okay. Mm-hmm. And um, tell us a little bit of the life in Tanzania. What is that like? So where we are in Tanzania, Tanzania is not a third world country. It is a second world country. There's a lot going on in Tanzania, and um, people are very 
not sedentary. They're very like everybody's going after their their future and trying to make something of of anything they can get their hands on. Um, it is a very it still has a very basic, let's say, level of development where we are. We're in the country, um, very, very, very rural, poor area, little farming area called Ushetu. Um, and we have about a 2,500 square kilometer um, area that we serve. We have two parishes. It used to be one parish, but the number of uh, Christians is growing so rapidly that since 2016, That's it's awesome. actually come to be three parishes. So we still have um, charge of two two of those three parishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell me how I, – I, 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 have you been to the Holy Land? No, I haven't. Okay, so when I went, something that struck me was like, it's a lot like Lafayette, you know, really. Like it's the same kind of flowers and a little bit like Toledo Bend. And so I guess I would, the question, is Tanzania have any similarities to Jennings in any way? <laughs> um, small farming communities. Yeah. Um, that is definitely similar. It's very hard to make comparisons. I'm really bad at making comparisons yeah. between different parts of the world, but I do see that. like a, And the work ethic also, like good, I was saying. Good food? Mm-hmm. Simple yeah. <laughs> food. The food is definitely richer here. Okay. It's simple food over there. <clears throat> but um, hardworking people, very... Um, large families. It's all family oriented. So that is similar. So I have three daughters and two are engaged. And so I got to pay for two more weddings. <laughs> and um, and I'm, I noticed in your brochure that um, y- you mentioned that there's a lot of weddings over mm-hmm. there. Tell me about a Tanzanian wedding, a Catholic wedding. What does that look like? Okay, so um, we're definitely still trying to put effort into the celebration of Catholic weddings because in where we are, um, there's still not a very large group, um, number of Christians. The number of Christians is growing. Um, but so a Catholic wedding looks like in the morning, uh, everybody comes to the church, you know, and the whole village turns out for the wedding because it's the thing to do, you know, there's a wedding. Yeah. So everybody comes to the church and the bride gets there and the groom, they come in together um, and they're very serious because as that's something shocking that you would definitely notice because um, in their culture someone who would be too smiley it's like they're not taking it seriously so the bride and groom come in and they're just looking at the ground and like very serious and everybody else is going bonkers and having a great time (laughs) and the two of them are coming in very solemnly down the aisle which is uh, interesting as well Um, but they go up and we have the whole marriage right and everybody's taking pictures and they're all just so happy and you get the the whole climate is that people take this very seriously okay. they long understand. wedding long times it take yeah last. it takes about two and a half hours wow. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nancy, two and a half hour wedding yeah, yeah. i wouldn't have that's, nothing left that's, that's pretty serious <laughs> yeah yeah and they yeah. Uh, do they distribute the eucharist i mean it's a catholic wedding they do mm-hmm. yeah, and nice. actually where we are usually people do not receive the blood of christ because it's just mm-hmm. not custom so they um and everyone receives on the tongue, not in the hand. Oh. Um, but on that special day, they receive um, under both species. So Father really? goes over with the chalice, and, and the bride and groom are allowed to, to receive That's the blood. That's exciting. Well. Yeah. So, so lots of little signs that yeah. make it something very sacred. One of, the, one of my favorite memories of my daughter's weddings were, you know, I was able to distribute the blood of Christ like I, I'm a minister, mm-hmm. and um, doing that at the wedding was yeah. very special. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. Yeah. I remember that when you first went there, one of the things that you told me about on one of your visits home were that was that um, they were the the ladies of the village were not aware of how 
the waters around there were hurting their babies mm -hmm. and you began teaching the villagers how to take care of their babies, how to cook, how to... Could you elaborate on how you formed your medical clinic mm -hmm. and how you helped the, the ladies take care of their babies and their and their families. Mm -hmm. Could you explain how you, you developed your medical clinic? I know a lot about that, but I cannot take credit for it because there are two sisters who are doctors okay. as part of our community. Okay, would you explain And they that? just work tirelessly in that medical clinic. So that's the reason that we were invited to the diocese by the bishop um, was he wanted to have a medical clinic in this parish and he wanted to have a religious presence as well in this parish because mm -hmm. it's so far out there and it's just such a little country parish. So um, we arrived in 2010. I arrived in 2016, so much later, but the sisters arrived in 2010. Their first apostolate was this little tiny medical clinic that had just been built, built for them. So the house was built for them to move into and the little medical clinic was built for them to come and serve in because it was such a need in the area. So um, they began that, and like you said, um, there's a lot of need, all kinds of like illnesses and things, but also just education, health mm -hmm. education for people because they don't realize that they're supposed to boil the water right. because they can get um, infirmities from it. They don't realize basic nutrition because, like we said, it's a very poor area. Everybody grows corn. So the basic staple of the diet is corn, but corn doesn't have that much nutritional mm -hmm. value. Mm -hmm. So um, you see babies who come in, they're two or three years old, super malnutritioned, and the sisters start asking, what does the baby eat? And they say various forms of cornmeal and with nothing else in it. So um, there's a lot of education uh, going on on all kinds of different levels. And we've also worked to drill a lot of water wells mm -hmm. so that they can have other water sources because they end up taking their water from ponds or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the cows go in and the sheep go in and the people go in to mm -hmm. get the water. Everybody gets the water from the same place. Since 2017, we've drilled more than 10, I want to say maybe 12 or 13 water wells throughout our that 2,500 and square And what is the cost? Area. I know that's one of the main focuses of your fundraising mm -hmm. so what is the cost of a water well a water well and and how much how much do you have to raise to drill mm -hmm. one water well yeah so well the economy that we're seeing right now in the united states is the same in tanzania everything is going up 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 mm -hmm. so it used to be about um, $9,500 to drill a water well where we are mm -hmm. less in the more populated areas but where we are to get all the equipment out there is um, expensive so now I would say it's probably about eleven thousand mm -hmm. dollars to drill a water well mm -hmm. and we need mm -hmm. some more and we need some more yeah We're, we yeah. always need more water wells because it is such a vast area and uh, like right now this year they're going through drought for the second year in a mm -hmm. row so water's hard to come by yeah it's in a drought, drought around here too I want to remind our listeners you're listening to Cajun Catholics and today's guest is six sister protectrice de la foi I like to say that <laughs> and uh, she's doing mission work at in Tanzania formerly a Pio and from Jennings go Pios go Pios <laughs> very passionate about the Pios I notice you don't have much of an a Cajun accent but how do your fellow sisters or the people of Tanzania do they know you're a Cajun Catholic do you bring that with you I sure do yeah, yeah for Sure. In what ways? I just talk about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it comes out all the time. Um, I try not to be too self-centered about it, but if any, but I have so many stories to tell and just memories, mm -hmm. and and that's just how I relate to the world. Give it's us some good ones. Tell me some of your favorite from. memories, you know, of Cajun country. Mm -hmm. So uh, probably that I talk about the Catholic culture a lot, yeah. uh, and the French 
culture and how uh, we still have just words that come the first word that comes is is in cajun french like little <laughs> vocabulary words that just come out you know um canai or boudet or whatever <laughs> you do, they just you don't have a better way to express it you know so that even the language tells you that that's part of who you are that's yeah. where you come from. And, Speaking and the of language, how many school. languages do you speak? Uh, well, um, English, French, um, but the French is way back in the, in the back <laughs> part of my mind. Now because it, it comes up on its own every once in a while. And then when I went through formation, I studied in Italy for six months, so kind of picked up Italian, wow. kind of. And then when I moved to Tanzania... Uh, the language of our institute as a whole is Spanish. So okay. when I moved to San Tanzania and started living in that community, we speak Spanish, so Spanish. And then the language in Tanzania is Swahili, so Swahili. How many we got, Nancy? That's five. Four and a half, I guess. <laughs> Italian's being not, humble. Not being really. humble. Give me some Tanzanian stuff. Get, how would you would you have a prayer in Tanzanian or something that Swahili. you could share? Swahili. I'm sorry. Swahili. I apologize. I'm a dummy. <laughs> when you get out of the context, it's really hard to call it up. Okay, right just away. give but, me anything. But I can do like maybe the sign of the cross sure, sometimes, just really. Sure, sure. We love that. Nancy <laughs> and I are smiling. We want to go to Tanzania now after that. That's so awesome. Uh, so how many other sisters, are there any other Louisiana natives that are around or you're it? No, actually, when I entered the order, I was number four, the mm -hmm. vocation number four. There's two. There's a pair of sisters from New Orleans who were the first two vocations from Louisiana. And then there's a, she, now she's contemplative from Baton Rouge. Actually, one of the sisters is contemplative as well because we have a contemplative branch within the order. What does that mean? That means cloistered, cloistered monastic life. So, okay. so two of them are, are monastic. And then uh, myself, so... And then in the in the years following, I think we must be around fifteen vocations now, mm. or maybe even a little 16, bit more. Sixteen, I think. That's 16. my number. Okay. That's my number. Louisiana vocations. The Holy Spirit always appears with number sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. You could be totally right because <laughs> they just keep going every year. There's vocations. So, mm -hmm. and the other day we had a dinner with the different families from the the sisters that have entered, and there's three more girls that came to dinner because oh. they're discerning a vocation. Wow. So. God is doing great things. I, I can see the beam in your eyes when you speak about uh, Acadiana because I feel the same way. You mm -hmm. know, that's the inspiration really for this show to to feature all these amazing people like you, and uh, and you must be so proud. I really am yeah, very yeah. proud of where it's I a come great from. place, huh? Yeah. Do we have time for one more? Yeah, story? of course. I want you to circle back to the water wells because I was fascinated with the opportunity that your priest takes because you announce when the generator will be on and the water will be flowing mm -hmm. so that all the villagers from far and wide come to get their water and the priest does what well that's what happened the first time when when he dug the first water well for the seminary mm -hmm. and the houses of formation he knew we were going to need water so he dug a water well and that was uh and he wanted to run a line from where the, the seminary is up to the parish. Mm -hmm. So they started to run the line and dig the trench to put the, the, the line in. And so then they had to test it every once in a while to make sure the water was getting uh, through the, the line. So when it started coming out, all the villagers saw that clean water and they came running with their buckets and, and every kind of thing that they could get their hands on. Mm. And that's when he realized well, we need to be doing way more of this because look how desperate these people are for clean water. And so that's when he started his campaign, mm -hmm. uh, and that's how we've gotten to 12 or 13. So they came with everything they could get their hands on, buckets and, and bottles and 
she described the the, the bicycles with just mm. all kinds of containers yeah. hanging anything they of could them. carry to yes. get the water mm-hmm. all right let's get into fundraising mode because i know there's some good cajun catholics out there that want to donate to this mission because it's close to home and uh Thank so you. tell us how you can donate yeah so um so it's really easy we have a, a the office in philadelphia that uh, receives all the checks that people send in and also through the website ssvmusa.org you can also look up the tanzania mission and help us out um there's a little bit of something for everybody that that wants to be a part of evangelization so the charism of our institute is evangelization of the culture so bringing christ to all manifestations of man so that means our apostolate includes a little bit of everything so there's all the sacraments that we put on throughout the year for adults, for youth, for kids, the um, catechism camps that are part of that, the feasts that we try to make a really big deal because on someone's sacrament day, when they go home, they won't be going home to a household of Catholics. So there's no party at their house when they get home on the day of their confirmation or on the day of their first communion. So we try to make the feast a really big deal at the church so that they will remember that day as something as the most special thing mm-hmm. that has happened to them you know so so all of that takes sponsorship um we're also building chapels uh, we have 42 villages attached to our two parishes so all of those villages we're trying to go from mud brick with a thatched roof to a real structure mm-hmm. that will last for people to pray in and they don't have to worry that the rains and the wind are going to knock down the chapel so that's um a constant it's an ongoing work Um, We've gotten pretty far, but there's still a lot of villages left that need chapels. Um, And then we have our houses of formation, like I was talking about. So the sisters, uh, we have about 18 young girls uh, in formation, discerning their vocation to religious life. And the fathers have about 20 young men uh, in different stages of formation for the priesthood as well, and permanent um, religious brothers. So some will be priests and some will be permanent religious brothers. We also have the medical clinic, which now it's no longer one sister who's a doctor and her assistant. Now it's two sisters who are doctors and 11 other mm-hmm. nurses and doc- Tanzanian nurses and doctors. So salaries are always a huge need between the medical clinic and the two schools that we have, two elementary schools, one of which has 215 students and the other one was just started last year. So it's just a kindergarten for right now, but we're hoping that it will grow. So we have the schools as well, and we have dreams of a secondary school because there is no Catholic secondary school within an hour and a half drive, and nobody has a car. <laughs> so to get them to a Catholic high school is almost impossible for most people. So we're hoping to start a Catholic high school um, fully that would sponsored. Be something, huh? Yeah, that would be huge. Um, Fully call it Notre Dame. <laughs> I can suggest it. I can definitely <laughs> suggest course. it. Red and blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Blue, maybe good... have a football team. Absolutely. Well, soccer. It would be a soccer okay, team. Okay, soccer. Yeah. Well, they call that football. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then we have our House of Mercy, which is a new thing that we've started as well for the elderly abandoned. Um, and we're hoping that that will grow as well. For right now, we're just taking um, men. Um, because the fathers are the ones that are in charge of it for right now. But if we can get um, also a community of sisters to come, which, you know, just pray for vocations because we have a lot of vocations, but the needs are many. So uh, we're hoping to expand the House of Mercy as well for the most in need in our area. Um, So tell them how they give. How how would you want if you want to? They can write a check to SSVM Missions, SSVM Missions. Um, and the address is 533 West Tioga Street, 
in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 19140. So that's how to make out a check. Um, and then, like I said, uh, if they would rather PayPal, you go through ssvmusa.org and you click on the missions tab and then you find Africa and Tanzania. All right. And a all right. All right. Share with our listeners uh, just a little bit, again, more of your faith. I want to know how a little girl from uh, Jennings ends up in Tanzania. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, some of us, we've experienced God in different ways, mm-hmm. in profound ways, and the Holy Spirit works quietly. But in your life, how? How does you know God exists? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I can give all of the credit to my family because I was born into a Catholic family, which is something that you can't replace. Um, so that was my experience, going to church every Sunday. We never missed Sunday Mass. It doesn't matter where we were, if we were on vacation or whatever. So that instilled the importance of um, of a continued relationship with God in my little childhood brain and heart. Mm-hmm. And then about 7th or 8th grade, when the temptations start coming and your friends are suggesting bad music and bad whatever, movies and whatever, at some point in, I had uh, a grace that just said, God is the most important of anything. And so um, I shouldn't do things that I know that he doesn't want me to do. Um, so that was a huge grace, I think. I, they ask us when we enter formation to to live, relive your vocation story and try to figure out where it started because that's a very important exercise to do. Um, and I think that's where it started, seventh or eighth grade, um, and just special grace that said, you don't want to offend God. God's your creator. He's the most important. Uh, and then high school has its own, you know, influences over your life. But I can definitely say that our youth group at Our Lady Help of Christians was saving grace all throughout high school. So every Sunday evening, you go to youth group, and it keeps you grounded. You might see or do or say or listen to anything during the week, but then on Sunday evening, you come back. So that brought me to college, and then, like I said, at, at Christ the King, it yeah. just exploded. So, so not necessarily a conversion moment, but maybe many, 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 many conversion yeah. moments. Yeah. yeah, and so that would be my advice, I guess, to anybody: is just be faithful to grace, because God never leaves you alone. He's always giving you graces. We're just hard-headed sometimes, and we don't want to see them or, or hear them, but they're always there. She's an angel in the booth, and she has an angel voice, and her name must have been Angelique at one time. <laughs> How it did you know that? <laughs> and she exudes joy, and that's her middle name. Yeah, I, d- I heard another rumor that you did a Rubik's Cube when you were like two. No, that is not true. That's her, Aunt Nancy's husband who can do the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Just a couple of minutes left on the show. Um, just so much thank you for being here, and please give uh, to this mission. It's It's so worthy. And uh, I just want to say, tell me in your faith life today, if there's something maybe you picked up on recently, or where are you that God's speaking to you that you can share? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a lot, especially with all the things that are going on today. And coming back for home visit every year, I get a window into other other like American culture that I'm not usually in during yeah. most, and with COVID and everything after COVID, and and. The liturgy in the church is kind of causing strife right now, but I think that the main thing that we need to understand is that um, Christ is about union, and so any kind of division or yeah animosity that we put between each other is not from God. So I think what I'm what I'm meditating on a lot these days is humility, a lot of humility, and unity in love and in Christ. That.
Humility Ooh, and unity. Good, good, She's the real deal. Good, She's the real deal. Good. She's the ultimate tiger in Pio. <laughs> oh, man, that's good. She's the real deal. Well, again, uh, just a, a blessing to have you on the show. If you want to give, again, give us that information one more, yes, time. One more time. So it's um, SSVM Missions. Um, that's how you make a checkout at 533 West Tioga Street in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 19140. Or by PayPal at ssvmusa.org. All right. You're and an angel. Anybody, I'm, I'm, if anybody missed that, they can just direct message me on Facebook and I'll, I'll shoot right. it back to them. How do they do that? <laughs> um, Nancy Tab Markentel. There you go. I know that name. She's famous. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Nancy, so much for bringing your niece here. And it's just been an honor. And I hope you'll uh, uh, pray for us because we'll be praying for you. For Absolutely. Sure. And, uh, it's been a blessing to all of us. Thank you. Uh, so you've been listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. You can catch us on um, Apple Podcast or on Spotify if you search Cajun Catholics. And uh, again, we always challenge you to engage the Cajun Catholic community. Until next time, God bless.